Welcome to Brio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Indigo Trickhauger, and I'm a communicator at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. What makes people support terrorism or violent extremism? Is there any way to know what factors contribute? As terrorism has increasingly become a global concern, research has focused on who becomes a terrorist and who supports terrorism, with many valuable conclusions coming out of that research. But until now, no one has looked at whether these findings hold on a global scale. In a new report for the United Nations Development Program, Tuura Sagor investigated just that. Titled, When is Conventional Wisdom Wise? Testing the Assumptions Behind Preventing Violent Extremism, the report looks at some of the factors behind support for terrorism and offers recommendations on what kind of research should be done. Tuura Sagord is a research assistant at PRIO. She holds a BA in Political Science and Economics from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology and the University of Cape Town, and an MA in Political Science from the University of Oslo. Her research interests include ceasefires, nonviolent resistance, democratization, and violent extremism. Welcome to the podcast, Tuura. Um, you've written a report about the correlations between supporting terrorism and other behaviors like violence against women, children, and people's age and employment status. And um, it's I think it's very interesting. I've only read the draft, but you point out some really interesting um, factors that, that relate to potentially supporting terrorism. What do you think were the most surprising findings from the report? And maybe also some of the findings that you perhaps expected or confirmed research that, that's already been done. Um, yeah, no. So uh, when I started writing the report, uh, the aim was to test all the assumptions that has been made uh, in uh, many like policy reports uh, regarding age and employment and education, uh, like you mentioned. And so unsurprisingly, the report confirmed many of the assumptions that has been made. So uh, young individuals are more uh, prone to support terrorism. Uh, We see that people um, that have higher education are less likely to support uh, terrorism, uh, etc. So so I think it... My my report didn't necessarily have that many surprising um, uh, findings um, in regards to what previous research has already found. But I think what is maybe the most surprising for most people um, is when looking at religion. Because in, in research, religion has usually been like tended to be seen as overemphasized when uh, investigated in more detail. Uh, but the general um, notion amongst, like, if you go to the street and ask people, uh, what do you think are the reasons for why people support terrorism? They will usually point to uh, religion. Um, But my uh, results showed that uh, when investigating religious individuals compared to non-religious or individuals that say they are uh, atheist or not uh, religious at all, they are actually more prone to support terrorism compared to the individuals that have said that they are uh, religious. Um, and I think for most people, that will probably be um, 
contrary to to what was expected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's surprising to me. And um, there were some other findings that I want to ask you about, but to stick with this for a little bit, is there some kind of threshold that you see where if someone's very religious, they're more supportive than someone who's moderately religious? And where does it fit in then as well with um, being atheist? Are there people who are maybe agnostic and don't support terrorism? I mean, this this sounds very interesting. I'm super curious now. Um, yeah, so in addition to just investigating the are you or are you not religious aspect, um, we also looked at the degree of how religious you are. So uh, on a scale from one to 10, how important is God in your life? Uh, and this, of course, all respondents got this question. So this is not just the religious individuals. These are all the individuals in the sample got this question. Um, so, but surprisingly, we the results show that uh, it's neither the one that has answered one, like religion, no, no God is not at all important in my life, or nor the people that have answered 10, God is really important in my life. Um, it was the individuals in the middle of the scale. So individuals that have answered like, God is four, five, six important in my life <laughs> that were uh, the most likely to or most prone to support terrorism. And did you look at different religions as well? Or did you did you only just ask in general, how important is this in your life? I did look briefly at other religions, uh, but this is not uh, part of the report. Um, but when investigating different religions, we saw that there wasn't that big of a different a difference uh, in with regard to what religion you said you belong to. Of course, there were some variations, um, but but nothing. It, it wasn't one religion that stood out as uh, much more um, supportive than than any other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also looked at the third variable of uh, religion, um, and that looked at whether you accept other religions. Okay. Uh, so do you accept other religions? Yes or no. Um, and there the results show that individuals that do not accept other religions are more prone to uh, support terrorism. So so although the results in general suggest that religion in itself is maybe not, uh, not an important driver to explain support for terrorism, we did see that aspects of religion might... Um, uh, might be explaining something. So, so to me, this is a very like interesting aspect that probably could be investigated in more detail, just to to see exactly what religion has to do with extremism uh, and support for terrorism in more detail. Very interesting. Sounds like there's lots to to research further. And one of the other um, topics that came up in your report that I wanted to ask you about was this violence against women where you say that if somebody um accepts or yeah is is fine with um beating uh one's partner or wife i I suppose you can clarify what kind of question you actually asked um that that also may show that then they were more likely to support terrorism so i'm curious how was that kind of phrased but also was this across gender as well or was it specifically men or was it were there also women who who then were more likely to support terrorism how did that come out in your in your results um 
there has long been like a realization um, um, that there might be a relationship between terrorism and domestic violence. And, and this is not new. Um, and we also see that like the subordination of women is central to, to the ideology uh, and tactics of several extremist groups. Um, and that there are many overlaps between domestic violence and terrorism. Um, and research from, I think, Monash University, uh, they have a center for gender, peace and security. They did a report a couple of years ago where they looked at this relationship uh, or um, if there was a correlation between um, sexist, hostile attitudes towards women and um, uh, extremism. Um, and they only then analyzed survey data from, I think, Indonesia, Bangladesh, the Philippines and Libya and found a quite strong relationship. So, so this was the basis for why we also wanted to investigate um, this in um, our report, because we have we use a global um, global um, data. So we have, I think, 47 countries that we uh, that we investigate across uh, the globes, we have countries from all regions. Um, and as you said, we also found that this uh, relationship does exist on the global uh, scale. So since the variables were highly correlated, we couldn't actually like do regression analysis and, and see it. So, so we did correlation analysis instead and just saw that um, there is in fact a very high correlation, not just... Um, between uh, support for terrorism and um, violence against women, but also towards violence in general and uh, people that support political violence. Um, so, so yeah, that's um, to me uh, also a very interesting finding. Mm. And in the report, you also write, um, being proud of your nationality is only a significant factor in the African and European sample. This stresses the importance of understanding the factors driving terrorist sympathies also on a more disaggregated level. So how does this finding differ from conventional knowledge uh, about terrorism? And I mean, especially the need to look at local contexts and not not make uh, generalizations uh, across the globe, I suppose. Yeah, no, so um, as I mentioned, one of the rationales behind uh, writing this report was to see whether the assumptions that has been made um, in a lot of policy can actually be supported by, by evidence. And one of the reasons for this is because a lot of the research that has been done, um, at least to my knowledge, to this, uh, like today, is very uh, regional. Uh, it focuses either on specific countries or regions. Um, it focuses only on specific populations, such as Muslim population have been a lot uh, studied, but there isn't, at least to my, um, uh, to my understanding, a global, um, uh, study that investigates these drivers or assumptions that has been made. So, so that was the reason for this report to see whether um, we can make any any claims on the global level. And with that being said, we also didn't we also wanted to show that although we do see some global trends in the data that can um, guide further research to see okay, what areas can we focus on or what could um, what could be important for policy to to look further into, we also realized the highly contextual nature of, uh, terrorism and support for terrorism. 
So we just wanted to show that uh, by looking at the sample in more regional uh, areas to see um, whether or not the results hold or whether there are differences. And of course, there were uh, many differences across the regions. Although we couldn't go into the national um, samples or we couldn't look at country level in, in this report, we, we just wanted to, to stress that these regional differences do exist. Uh, because I think one of the uh, one that can possibly be a mistake is that for policy and what has been done now, they, they might see that uh, a study has been done in a whole different part of the world or from a different um, population. And then they use that research to, to, to make a policy or um, to, to, to like they use research that is necessarily that transferable. Or maybe it is, but we haven't known that until now. One of the one of the things I, I realized when reading um, a lot of the research, and especially when I read a lot of um, reports that has been written previously, was that they drew on evidence from these other region, regional contexts. So evidence found in one region or one population was also used to explain or or to to create like preventive me- preventive measures uh, in a whole different uh, setting or context, and. Sometimes you can probably drop, but we haven't necessarily known that until now because we haven't actually investigated these drivers on the global level and seen, is it a global trend or is it not? And if it's not a global trend, then we should be more careful with uh, what we uh, what we take from one context to the next. And of course, we sh- one should always be careful of that, but, but especially when we don't know if this is... Um, if this is a gen- general trend or not. So that was also one of the rationales behind the report was just to show that, yes, we see these general trends in the data and we we, we have some avenues that can probably be, um, uh, be investigated in more detail. But we also need to take the local context and we also into, uh, into account because it's on the local level that they have the most knowledge on uh, what that situation or that uh, policy should um, uh, should bring along. Yeah, which kind of brings me to the question that I have for a lot of people when I do these interviews, which is just what kind of policy recommendations you would have, because um, maybe based on what you've just said, it's a bit hard to, to give a policy recommendation because it will be quite regional. But um, what do you think you would say to... Yeah, organizations, local governments, or maybe maybe you just want there to be further research. Uh, but what kind of policy recommendations might you have? I, th- I think if I'm if I'm going to give like one um, broad policy recommendation, I would say that um, we would need more data um, on the global level. I know it's very such, difficult. Yeah, such a researcher <laughs> answer. Um, but so both to broaden the geographical scope uh, of knowledge on the issue, but uh, but also to be able to investigate whether support for terrorism is changing over time, because now the survey data that I used was um, it was released in 2020 and I used the World Value Survey uh, Wave 7. And I think that's the only uh, of the waves that have this question uh, on do you support terrorism um, included in their survey. And I know that other surveys 
have had that question, but those are, as I said, like only geographic regions. So especially now, uh, we have lived one year in a pandemic. And I think especially now it is um, like very important to try to to also see whether the pandemic has had an impact on support for terrorism. Um, we have seen that terrorist groups uh, in other parts of the world have used the pandemic to their advantage. They have um, uh, they have provided um, uh, aid. They have uh, in in states that aren't as like in in weaker states. They have um, like used the pandemic to their advantage to 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 broaden their support base. Uh, we also know with the closure of schools that many uh, children have been home. Many people have been um, laid off their work. Uh, we know that young people uh, are particularly vulnerable to um, uh, to support terrorism. So, so I think that especially in the, the political climate that we are in now, it is important to, to investigate uh, whether or not the pandemic has impacted uh, uh, the support for terrorism, especially since many people, or I've, I've read at least in, in newspapers and um, other places that people do say that support for terrorism has been rising the last couple of years. I myself haven't found where uh, this claim is coming from uh, since there, there isn't available, at least available survey data um, over time that mm. allows us to investigate this trend. Um, I know that uh, the Norwegian um, uh, like um, Security Police Service, mm. PST, they have an annual report that they release and they, they point to that um, right, uh, uh, right uh, extremism, right-wing extremism has been rising uh, or the support for right-wing extremism has risen uh, the last year in Norway, so so that we know, but we don't know whether this is a general trend um, or not. So I think, although it's cliche to say that we need more uh, <laughs> more data on a global level, I I do think that in the world we are in today, <laughs> although that's also very cliche, um, that should be a, a focus. Uh, to broaden our understanding in general of this uh, phenomenon. Well, you are a researcher, so uh, I don't blame you for saying we need more information. And it's a, a very, very good point you're making about the last year has certainly had the potential to change things. Um, is there anything you want to add from from the report that you would like people to know or anything that we haven't covered before we wrap up? No, um, well... If I am to say one thing, then just uh, although uh, I'm, I want to stress that we need more data. Uh, I also think, for from a policy perspective, if I am to give a policy recommendation, which probably they are already quite aware of, is that although this report is a global um, uh, uses global data to show general trends, they should. St- still be like policy responses should still be designed um, on the local local level um, and mm. take the local context that should be like the main main priority mm. thank you so much Tora well thank you for having me 
podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute, Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. You can read the report by visiting the link in the podcast description. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trickhauger. Music by Martin Dunlop.